0: I thank you for the power of your word and father, we break the enemy's power and bind his influence back off every life right now. Lord, I put the blood of Jesus over people's lives, especially when it comes to their economy and father, I destroy any lack, any structures y'all agree with me Amen. I destroy any, any lack, any structures, any curses, anything trying to hinder in the area of poverty or debt or bondage in any way. Father, I destroy that off people's lives within the sound of my voice. I command to be broken. And I command and speak a blessing over your life of financial abundance and prosperity. That things that have been difficult will become easy. I speak it out now in Jesus' name. And I just want to continue to speak a blessing over you guys. May the Lord bless your bodies to be in perfect health. Your soul area will prosper. Your spirit man, your inner man will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I bless relationships in your life to be peaceful and unified that Satan will not be able to divide. I bless you that your finances, individually and the finances of this ministry corporately, I speak over you multiplication. You will increase and always be more than enough to meet every need that arises. Pay every bill on time. Keep money in savings and be a generous, cheerful giver. I bless you now in Jesus' mighty name. All right, if you guys are wanting to come up to a new place financially in the Lord, I want you to really listen tonight. I've been going through this series on seductions of Satan. I've been dealing with the end times, I've been dealing with um, spiritual warfare deliverance. I've been dealing with exposing the enemy's kingdom, how to walk in victory in certain areas. And you know, one of those areas is finances. You know, And Satan attacks people financially. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to steal. That's part of his attack is to steal. And that has to do with finances. So Proverbs 10.22, this is what the Bible says. It says, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Let me tell you, in the world, people get rich. They come into money. But many times in the world system, when people get money, there's a lot of sorrow attached to it. There's a lot of bondage attached to it. And people really have problems in your life. You know, you hear these crazy things about people winning so much in the lottery, and then their whole life goes down the toilet. Because even though they became rich, there was sorrow attached to it. And people come into money through foolish means. They come in through, you know, stealing or trying to rip people off and and trying to cheat the government, all these different things. And there's sorrow attached to that. But when the Lord brings increase, when the Lord brings financial abundance in your life, there's no sorrow attached to it. And let me tell you how you're going to move into financial victory is the same way that you move into health and the same way you move into freedom from the enemy's influence and every other promise of God, it's through faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Meaning, whenever you go to a different country, you have to have their currency to be able to buy something. I can't go into certain places in Europe and in the Middle East with a dollar bill and go buy a pack of gum in a store because my currency doesn't necessarily work there. The only way you're going to get things from the Lord is through faith. That is the currency. Once you apply faith to His word, it begins to work in your life. So what I'm going to tell you is I'm going to give you some principles. But if you don't do it in faith, you're pretty much wasting your time. You've got to do it with faith. Okay. And when do you attach faith with, and I'll give a praise report about this with Brianna. You know, I had taught, I had taught on this over the years and talked about it here and there. I really don't preach a lot on finances. In fact, if you look on our website, this is probably the only one that's going to be on there because I really don't talk a lot about it. But it is in the Bible and it's part of something that I know people need to hear. But I talk about, especially at home, and I remember whenever Brianna wanted to buy that house and there was a lot going on. And I was talking to her and I was talking to her about what I'm going to talk to you tonight about, about tithing and about blessing Israel and other principles in the Bible. And I could tell, you know, there's many times we hear things And we intellectually agree with it and go, yes, I I understand what you're saying. I agree with you. But there's a difference between that. That's kind of the logos. There's a difference between that and it getting down into your spirit where it produces faith. And I could tell this time when I talked to Brian about it, I could tell that it produced faith because I could just see it. It's something snap. And I was telling her about, we, we were at the time looking at purchasing a bunch of trees and putting them in Israel. Those olive trees. You guys remember that. And um, she wanted to put some toward it. And I knew, I felt that it was significant. So as soon as she wrote out some and it was going toward Israel, we did that. And then she left. And I was here praying before I went to bed. This was late. I was about to go to bed. And that particular night, every night I pray over the house before I go to sleep. You know, I just pray over it, speak a blessing. And as I was praying that night, the presence of God came over me so thick that it was just like, a, you know, one of those, I don't want to move moments, you know, and I was just kind of like, wow. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, because your parents bless Israel and because you and Sandy bless Israel, and now you've passed that to your daughter. He said that's a threefold cord. And he said, from now on, I'm going to explode the blessings of Abraham in your life. That's what he said. And and we saw increase. On the outside on the outworking of that, we saw significant increase. Okay. Let me open with a few things. There's a couple things if you'll apply in spiritual warfare will change your life. Everybody say change my life. I'm gonna give you some real basic stuff right here, but if you'll listen to me and you'll do this, it's really easy but it will radically change your life. Number one is simply renewing your mind. Every thought that goes through your head, you're not supposed to entertain that thought. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of thoughts that go through your head and sometimes it's straight up from the enemy. It didn't originate from you. It's something that shot into your mind that's straight from hell. It's not of God and you do not need to entertain that thought. So if there's a thought that comes through that's bitter, that you start remembering somebody that burns you and it's coming back up in your mind, you need to let that go and don't entertain that thought. Because pretty soon you'll be dealing with anger and unforgiveness. If there's thoughts of lust or there's thoughts of, of, of violence or just different evil thoughts, lies of the enemy, don't entertain them. So here's what you do. It's not hard. The devil will tell you this is hard, but it's not. You just simply throw it out and make yourself think on something good and godly. That's it. It's not hard. Now, here's the second thing that's renewing your mind. That's huge. If you'll start doing that, the Bible says your whole life will be transformed. You know, in Romans twelve, the word transformed, I know I've told you all this, but it's metamorpho. It's where we get metamorphosis. So you have the caterpillar, metamorphosis, butterfly. Look at the difference between the caterpillar and the butterfly. Big difference. That's what God's saying. If you will renew your mind. You'll go from the caterpillar life to the butterfly life, and it's a huge difference. Just that one thing. So if you'll do that. The second thing is, is start rebuking the enemy. If you feel like something's going on, and you don't want it going on, and it keeps going on, it could very well be a spirit. We all go through spiritual warfare. Rebuke it. Take authority. So heres I'll teach you how to do it right now. Everybody out loud. Let's just say that there was something attacking you. It was messing with you. It was trying to make you depressed. It was trying to make you angry. And you're going, why am I angry? It's trying to make you fearful. You just know uh, what's going on. You know, it's trying to get y'all freaked out. Or maybe it's trying to get you angry with a brother or sister in Christ. It's trying to get you bitter. It's trying to get you in lust. Whatever it is. Y'all ready? Here's how you deal with it. Everybody out loud. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. I, bind you, I bind you. Satanic spirit. Take your influence. influence. Get out of here now. now. Don't ever come back. back. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. I command it. it. That's what you do. If you'll do that. Okay. And you'll start whipping the enemy and stop putting up with a lot of Christians. This is the truth. Okay. You know, and some people out there that are in this type of ministry of revival things, they know, but I'm going to tell you across the board, When you're looking at the body of Christ all over the the world, especially here in America, I would say probably about 80% of Christians do not know what I just told you. And so they sit there going, what's wrong with me? There's something weird going on and they never rebuke the enemy. It just sits on them and it stays. All right. The next thing that I've already mentioned, Satan attacks three basic places in your life. He attacks health. He attacks finances and he attacks relationships. Health, finances, and relationships. Those are the three main areas. And it is a real battle if Satan attacks your health. And a lot of times when somebody's going through something, it will have let me give you an example. Somebody's going through a major attack on a, a relationship in their life that's important and because of the stress and the pressure that's going on, it may affect their health. And then because it's affecting their health, they may end up going to the doctor and it affects their finances. Do you see how it works? That's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to hit you in one area, but it'll have a domino effect in many other. Now let me show you something. I'm going to move off this and get straight into money. But, you know, about relationships. This is one of the most important things that we can have in our life is have good relationships. Okay? And Satan attacks relationships like nothing else. But listen to Matthew 18, 15. The wisdom of Jesus right here. He said, if your brother sin or sister sins against you, go and point it out to him. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won your brother over. That right there alone. Go talk to people. That will solve 90% of the problems. All right. Then he says, if they won't listen to you, take somebody with you and then try to talk to them. The other person can help be a mediator. But if they still won't listen and they're continuing to be evil towards you or toward the whatever, he says to take it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. But listen to this. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is connecting relationship problems with spiritual warfare right here. Did you get that? He's saying there's going to be issues with your brothers and sisters and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So start binding the enemy. Take authority of the enemy because he's the one that's behind it. Do you see what I'm saying? He's, he's trying to show you that this divisive Satan knows that a kingdom divided can't stand. He's continually at work trying to divide God's people. And then Jesus goes on to say I tell you if two of you agree on earth about anything it will be done for you by my father in heaven for where two or three gather in my name I am in the midst of them so he's saying that also pray about it it's a stubborn issue something's going on that's of the devil it's trying to divide go to them and try to work it out but also take authority over the enemy and and actually confront the divisive spirit that's at work and also Get a prayer partner to agree with you in prayer about the situation. If you'll do that, if you'll go to the person, you'll bind the enemy, and you'll get a prayer partner to pray about it, you will see victory one way or another. I'm going to deal in this series with areas that are difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people don't like certain parts of the Bible. But one of the things I'm going to deal with is about... um, how Satan attacks relationships, but sometimes there are people that just are not supposed to be in your life. Amen? And and they may be Christians, but they're just there's something there. And the Bible talks about in Galatians, it says that there's he said something to the effect of, I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing, there's little wonder there's some divisions among you to determine who's right with God and who's not. That's what he said. That's what Paul said. And sometimes there's there's divisions among the body of Christ, and there's a reason for it. And not everybody is supposed to be in your life that's a Christian, okay? I'm going to deal with some of that. But I really want to talk about finances. Let me say one more thing. When you're dealing with binding and loosing, in the Greek, to bind means to tie up. Just like you would tie up an evil spirit with a chain or tie him up with a rope, it actually binds them up. So when you take authority and you bind them, I want to give you a mental image of some little demon running around trying to cause problems. And you're saying, I bind you in Jesus name. And all of a sudden these angels come up and wrap him up and he's, he's in bondage. He cannot continue to function the way he was functioning because you bound him and you have authority to bind him. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Say all All. that means all. And he said, you will trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Okay. And then to loose means to untie or destroy, just like you would somebody's bound up in a rope and you 'll untie them and set them free so whenever you hear me use that term, I break this, I destroy this, I loose this off somebody i 'm breaking something off of them that's had them bound up and i've heard so many times i don't need, i've lost track a long time ago counting of people i've prayed for, and I pray this for. Almost everybody I pray for, I usually pray anything that's not of Christ's kingdom, I destroy it and commit to leave their life right now. I've had so many people of the years tell me I just felt something lift. I've just felt a freedom, something break. What that was was loosing it off of them. You can do that too. All right. About finances. There's just five quick things I want to tell you. I'm not going to take long on this, but number one is tithing. But let me tell you, if you're going to apply these biblical principles, they're going to help you. They'll change your life. They'll change your finances, but you're going to have to step out in faith to do it. Okay. What tithing is it's a principle all through scripture It's something that was established in the Bible for theologians out there. It's established in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So it is appropriate for us today. Okay. Abraham tithed and God was with him in an awesome way. Okay. But let me tell you how tithing works. Have you guys ever looked at the dollar bill? It's got satanic symbols on it. It's got the pyramid with the raised eye. It's Illuminati, Freemasonic, got Freemasonic things on it. When you look at other currency, you know, like in Europe, it's got that beast with the woman writing it, which is straight out of the book of Revelation. I mean, how blatant, you know. And it's just, see, Satan's kingdom, look at the scripture, 1 John 5 19. It says, We know that we are children of God. And that the whole world lies under the control of the evil one. Now let me tell you something about Satan's kingdom. Satan's kingdom does not want Christians to have any money. That's just the truth. Satan's kingdom would love for, for the mafia. And for these drug cartels. And he would love for these people that are witches. People that are pushing a, an abortion agenda. And a homosexual agenda. And an antichrist agenda. He would love for them to have great wealth. And for Christian ministries and churches to be broke. That's what Satan wants. Because Satan knows that when Christian ministries have finances, that they're out doing things that they maybe couldn't do without having the finances to do it. I mean, you look at these ministries like, for example, you look at a Reinhardt Bonnke ministry. Let's just use him for example. Millions of people getting saved. It's not free. I mean, when he goes somewhere, he has to rent the land. He has to move, fly people there. He's got to set up all that stuff. I mean, it costs thousands. I would imagine hundreds of thousands, actually, of dollars to do all of that. But you see millions coming into the kingdom. Amen. There's no price you can put on souls. But whenever you tithe, it's the first 10% of your increase. So whatever that is, I'm talking about before taxes. It's the first 10%. Now, here's what happens. Satan there's, some, there's a spirit called mammon that's over money. Okay? And whenever a, a Christian takes and they sow their first 10% to the kingdom of God, they tithe, it breaks the power of that off their finances. See, when your money comes into your hands, there's a lot of the enemy's influence attached to finances around the world. Okay? But when that comes into your hands and you tithe on it, it breaks everything off of it. And the Bible says this. If you, The Lord said in Malachi, test me. If you do this, will I not open the flow gates of heaven? I will rebuke the devourer. I'll pour out blessings there's not room enough to contain. And nations will rise to call you blessed. Those are, those are really powerful promises. Now, if you've actually believed God's word like I do, I'm sitting here looking at this going, oh, wait a second. If I tithe, God is actually going to rebuke the devourer. That means the car should have broke. that The house should have sprung a leak. This should have happened. There should have been a blowout. There should have been a fender bender. There should have been this. And it would have cost money. But God rebuked the devourer. And so things that should have cost money aren't happening. Open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so many blessings, there's not room enough to contain it. That's an amazing promise of God. And I have, and let me tell you, if you don't do it with faith, there's still going to be a hindrance. See, whenever Sandy and I tithe and we always have, when we tithe, I tithe with faith and I really believe. I'm like, Lord, as we sow this into the good fertile soil of river of life, as we sow this in, you are rebuking the devourer. You are opening the floodgates and you are pouring out blessings. There's not room to contain and nations are rising to call us blessed. And I've had people from different ethnic groups say I was blessed. Nations rise to call you blessed. That's what the word says. And there's a power in it, I'm telling you. And whenever people sow financially um, in the area of tithe and a pastor will get up and will speak a blessing, you know, um, Steve Solomon, I heard him say something that stuck with me. You know, he's a full-blood Jewish bar um Christian man of God. He got saved later on in life and just an awesome man of God. He's actually from the tribe of Levi, which was the priest. And I love him. I, I love his ministry. And anyway, he's a priest. It, it, literally, you know, in his bloodline, he's a priest. And while... The Jewish people, whenever they speak a blessing, they'll hold their hands like this because it has something to do with the Hebrew letter for God. I don't fully understand it. I'm a Gentile. Okay, give me a break. But anyway, they do that. And he was saying whenever people tithe or whatever, he was saying when the priest, the pastor, will stand up and will speak a blessing, he said this is actually the windows of heaven through which the blessing. That's that's powerful, isn't it? That stuck with me. So whenever you tithe, that's what's going to happen in your life. And the Lord, here's the thing about tithing. This is the only time in the Bible that God says, test me in this. Did you know that? He never says, test me. He always says, this is the way it is. Just believe it. But in this passage, he said, test me and see if I won't. But anyway, it's the first fruits. So here's the way we've always tithed, me and Sandy. Whenever we get paid, the first thing we do is time. And then we know that God will put, it's broken the power of mammon off. okay? And God will kiss our finances. He will bless them to where the 90% now will go farther and accomplish more, much more, than if we had stolen that 10% from God in the first place. it really does belong to the Lord. The second thing is sowing and reaping. Everybody hears this all the time. In my opinion, I think there's a lot of abuse in this right here, but it's still, there's still a principle there. I don't give under compulsion. I don't give when I'm manipulated. When people start, you know, using prophetic words to try to manipulate, you know, I just, I just sit harder on my wallet, you know, cause I'm not going to sow into manipulation and control. I'm not going to do it. Um, I see sometimes people misrepresenting the Lord and, you know, some people manipulate and they're going to, they're going to be judged for this one day. They manipulate and there'll be these little old ladies that are living on a fixed income that'll go in there and empty out their bank account to sow into a ministry that already has a lot of finances because they've been manipulated to do so. And sometimes people are saying, the Lord says, if you give $77 in the next seven hours, Within seven weeks, you'll have $7,000 and 77 cents, you know, and it's like, okay, maybe so, but here's how this works. If that's the case, God will tell me that. And when he tells me that, then I'll release my $77, but I don't need a prophet telling me that. Okay. And you know what? If you look into a lot of that, I guarantee you a lot of it's not happening and somebody should say something because it's not right. Because you don't want to stand on judgment day misrepresenting God saying God said this and he didn't say it. Amen? Alright, Jesus said do not do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you will be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. You've got to forgive others or you won't be forgiven. Verse 38 says give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So what you sow, you reap. Now, let me just tell you about this. My theory about reaping, sowing and reaping is this. I want to be a cheerful, generous giver. And so I'm just available. And when God speaks to me about sowing, I sow in faith and I do it. And I leave the rest up to God. Amen. Amen. So whenever you're in a service, you don't have to give every time something is put out there. You know, if we're having a fundraiser for the youth or something and I just put it out there, that doesn't mean you have to do anything. If you if you really you don't feel right about it, you need the finances or something else. Don't do it. You know, there's no manipulation or control about any of that. But if you feel in your heart to do something, then step out and do it. And let me tell you this. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. The Bible says. Sometimes some people are sacrificing, but they're not really obeying the Lord. They're just doing it out of their own. You know what I'm saying? They're doing it out of their own. Maybe they feel sorry for somebody or whatever, and they're just doing it. as a sacrificial thing. And I believe the Lord is pleased with it. But to obey is better than sacrifice, meaning that you hear from God and you obey what he's telling you to do. Does that make sense? But you, re- you reap what you sow. And the amount that you sow determines the amount of increase. Now, a lot of people leave it there, but I don't, listen, the the amount you sow determines the amount you get back. But let me tell you how God views that. Because it's very different than the way man does. So you think somebody gives $1,000, you go, wow, that's a lot. But if the person makes a quarter of a million dollars a year, that's not that much to them. Then you look at somebody over here and they give $10. When that person lives on a fixed income and they don't have anything, and they give ten dollars, that's a lot to them. And when God looks at it, He looks at the person that gave a thousand. He goes, "Yeah, you know." But He looks at the widow's mite over here, the person that gave out sacrificially, and He goes, "Wow." So don't ever judge it at the, at, you know, by what you see, because the Lord judges things a lot differently than we do. And somebody that that maybe doesn't have a lot and they, sow. the Lord, the Lord sees that. And that's why Jesus And this, you know, it played out perfectly in his ministry because all these Pharisees, they were wealthy. They were coming in, dropping bags of gold, you know, like the big shots and you know how they were. They were going through there wanting everybody to see it. You know, I can just see him coming through there. Look at my bag of gold. Yep, I'm going up to the offering basket. And then they go out there and drop it in front of everybody. Did you see that? Here, let me pick it up again. Yep. There it is. Yep. All right. And then the widow over there who had hardly anything takes a, a little widow's mite, which is just picture it being like a nickel. And she goes up there, you know, just between her and God and drops it in there. And Jesus said she gave more than anybody. And the disciples and different people were like, did you see what she gave? You know, they, they didn't understand. They were like, she dropped like a nickel in there, Jesus. And, so they goes, and Jesus is like, no, she gave more than anybody else, you know. I'm just trying to get you to see the way God sees it. The amount you sow has to do with the amount you reap, but it's more of the Lord seeing your life and seeing your heart in it. Does that make sense? All right. All right. And then a few more principles. Sowing and reaping is important. Let God deal with your heart. If you, I want to be a cheerful, generous giver. Amen. That's what pleases the Lord. I'm going to read you a story about Cornelius that really touched my life. A few more quick things. The next one is blessing Israel. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will make Abraham. It's talking to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. The thing about the nation of Israel is that God's blessing is on them. It's a covenant with Abraham. And when you sow, when you bless Israel in one way or another, it's going to come back on you. Okay? That means this you could bless Israel by praying for the peace of Jerusalem, you can bless Israel by speaking a blessing over them. As a matter of fact, let's do that. I want y'all to do that with me. Just stretch your hand toward the east. I want you to repeat after me. In Jesus' name, we bless you, bless you. Nation, of nation of Israel. May peace, May peace fill your borders. Fill your borders. May, you have May you have victory over all your enemies. All your enemies. We bless you, bless you. Benjamin, Netanyahu. Benjamin Netanyahu, as their prime minister, You are a modern day David. The God of Abraham is with you. He is your shield and your reward. We bless the IDF, Israel's army. May you have swift victories. We bless the Knesset, that's their government. We bless you. The wisdom, the wisdom of Solomon come on you, come on you. and God crown you, you with wisdom. May the Lord bless you, Lord bless and, keep you. and keep you, make his face shine upon you, shine. be gracious on you gracious. and give you peace. We bless you now, bless you now. in Jesus name. Jesus. And so that's another way that you can bless Israel is by speaking a blessing. Now listen, another way that you can bless the nation of Israel is financially. And I know this from my personal experience. Whenever I have sown financially into the nation of Israel, God has moved so powerfully and brought swift victories. I mean, there's things that have broken through. And let me just make this statement. Whenever the Bible talks about being anti-Semitic and somebody cursing the Jewish people, if that can bring a generational curse, and it can... How much more will blessing the nation of Israel bring a generational blessing? Amen. And so when you bless the nation of Israel, I believe this. I'm going to make another statement. Whenever somebody is cursing Israel and they're, they're negative toward them, I personally don't believe that they will truly walk in the blessings given to Abraham even as a Christian. Did you hear what I said? Even as a Christian, if somebody is cursing Israel and they're they're being wrong toward Israel, I don't believe that they'll walk in the fullness of the blessings that were given to Abraham like Galatians 3.13 says that they could. I believe that they're setting themselves up in a way to where that's working against them. But if they will begin to bless Israel, and let me give you a scripture about this not only Galatians 3.13 and Genesis 12.2, but in the book of Acts, there's a really interesting story because there was a prophecy that there was going to be a famine. And because of the famine, this is how the Apostle Paul responded. Remember, Paul was a Jew. And he went out and he planted all these Gentile churches. Now, we're a Gentile church. It's River of Life, But he went through and he planted all these Gentile churches. And whenever there was a prophecy that there would be a famine in the land, the Apostle Paul went from Gentile church to Gentile church, and he took up an offering to bless the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Did you get that? Because the Apostle Paul knew that if the Gentiles would bless the Jews, that God would bless the Gentiles and keep them through the famine. Does that make sense? That is something that I really it, it came out to me whenever I read it, and I found it was so powerful. And I remember our current president. I love him. I pray for him. But I haven't seen any wisdom. And I haven't seen any favor from the Lord. I haven't seen any blessings on his life that could trickle down to the nation. I just haven't. I haven't seen. Th- it grieves me. And I knew that one of the things I knew when he took office. I knew that it would affect America's relationship with Israel. And I even told you guys that if you remember that. But you know. Whenever um, Obama began to try to make Israel go back to the 67 border or whatever it was. I don't remember now, but he tried to take land from Israel. I said, oh man, here we go. And so I came in here and I had something put in our bylaws. That's what I felt led to do. I had something put in our bylaws that we stand with and we bless the nation of Israel. And I had the eldership sign it and I sealed it and I put it in with our bylaws. And you know what? Also, we've been stepping out and blessing Israel as a church. We give, to, we give to them through Operation Blessing, but we also have been helping plant those olive trees in Israel. And I believe, just like this church right here, that as we're blessing Israel, that even when things come against America, that we're going to prosper and do well because of that. Amen. Alright, the next thing is giving to the poor. Psalm 41. It says, Blessed are those that have regard for the weak or the poor. The Lord, listen to these promises. I'm just going to read over this. If you will bless the poor, the Bible says, the Lord will deliver you in times of trouble. He will protect and preserve you. You will be counted among the blessed of the Lamb. He will not give you over to the desires of your foes. The Lord will sustain you on a sick, sick bed and restore you from a bed of illness. Did you see those five promises? Those are amazing, powerful promises in God's Word. But it's only connected to giving to the poor. And you know, as we've been planting these olive trees too, the trees are producing these olives and the pro, some of the produce that's coming forth, the finances are going to bless the orphanages in Israel. And so in that, we're also blessing the poor. But I'm going to tell you something, that the benevolence ministry is a powerful ministry and it's important in churches. Churches need to take care of the widows and the orphans and help take care of the poor. Amen? Alright, then the last thing I'm going to say is this. God's blessing comes and when His blessing is on you, there's three things. His blessing, His favor, and His glory. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Remember? adds no sorrow to it. When God's blessing is on you and His blessing can come on you from living a righteous life. People that don't live right, that are, that are playing games with God and compromising, they're not under the blessing of the Lord. When people really, truly sell out to the Lord and they're really living for Him wholeheartedly, they're under His blessing. And because of His blessing, finances start coming in for them. The second thing is His favor. His favor comes on people because they have a pure heart and they have right motives. Now, that's important. You can be blessed, but not necessarily favored. Because some people are living right, and they're applying the word, and so there's a blessing on them, but their motives are not right. There's a lot of ministries. It's like, well, what's good for my ministry? What's good for my ministry name? And there's all these evil motives in their heart about themselves. What's going to benefit me? What am I going to get out of this? How am I going to grow? How am I going to benefit? How am I going to get more money? And it's all this stuff in their heart And their motives aren't right. And even though they may be blessed, they're not favored. The favor of God, when it comes on you, it rests on a person. And it literally causes things to turn in their favor. Anybody else that went through that, they would have fell flat on their face. Anybody else. But for some weird reason, that person, it turned out in their favor. That's the favor of God. It's like things will shift in your favor in life. You end up with it. Everybody else wanted it, but somehow it shifted in your favor. And the favor of God, when it's on a person, it will cause people to see you different. It will cause people to treat you different. When you have favor on your life and you go into places, people are are different toward you than they would be the next person. And it's not you. It's the favor of God on you. And the last thing is God's glory, His manifest presence, which comes because of the blood of Jesus and because you're living holy and because you're seeking the glory. It comes because of the blood, because you're living holy, and because you're seeking the glory. But God's manifest presence is a very serious thing. It's a weighty presence of God on your life. And I'm going to tell you, you better cherish the glory, but you better be careful with the glory. I've already preached on the glory this year a lot, but... Where the glory of God is, it can be in your home. And if it's in your home, your home will prosper. God will bless you. If the glory is in your home, your home will flourish and it will prosper. If the glory of God is in your ministry, your ministry will flourish. If the glory of God is on your life, your life will flourish. Where the glory of God is, there is a flourishing and a blossoming and a fruitfulness. Now let me show you. In 1 Chronicles 13, 12, David was afraid of God because of the ark. The ark fell. Uzzah tried to catch it. He died. And David was afraid. So he took the ark and he took it off the road to Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom was a Hittite. But look at this. It says in verse 14, The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. It goes on to say, David heard about it and was jealous and went and got the ark. Where the glory of God is, finances are attracted to that. Are you hearing me? And I'm talking about finances tonight. That's why I'm focusing on that. But where the glory is, there's also healing. Where the glory is, relationships prosper. There's a lot in the glory that we benefit. And let me read you this story and I'm going to close this but. There was a man by the name of Cornelius. And this is how all of us should be. Cornelius was just a Gentile. But it says in the Bible, he was a good man. He was a God fearing man. He was not a Christian, but he believed in the God of the Jews. And he was a good man. He 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 wanted to do right before God. Okay, now listen to this story. This Jesus had died on the cross, raised from the dead. And Jesus had sent out his disciples And so they're out ministering. And here's what happened. In Acts 10, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion. That was a leader of a regiment in the Roman army. And he was in the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. And he gave generously. Listen, he gave generously to those in need. And he prayed to God regularly. Even though Cornelius was not a Christian, he was a God-fearing man. And he gave to the poor generously and he would pray to God now watch this this is God's response in verse 3 one day about 3 in the afternoon he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said Cornelius and Cornelius stared at him in fear what is it Lord he asked and the angel said your listen to this. your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God everybody get that your prayers and your gifts to the poor. There was an angel showed up, man. The angel showed up and came to him and said, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have gone up unto God as a memorial offering. And so he, the angel said, I was sent to you. Now, this is what the angel said. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is he's staying with Simon, the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke to him at gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants and told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Can you imagine today in our military? There being a, a devout man and he's a general and he calls a couple of his guys and goes, I saw an angel and he told me to go get this guy named Peter. Okay, I can just see it. All right. About noon the following day. As the men were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open as something like a large sheet being let down on the earth, On the, I'm sorry, by four corners, and it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. you got to understand, the Jewish people didn't eat pigs and they didn't eat reptiles, okay? There were certain things that were unclean. The voice told Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And again, the voice told him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the vision, the men sent by Cornelius I am sorry found Simon's house and was stopped at the gate. And they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still in the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs and do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and a God fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to come get you. Now listen, this is amazing. I'm going to skip down. Peter goes there and he's going to minister. Go to verse 34. It says, Peter began to speak. He's preaching to the people. Now I realize, he said, how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation those who fear him and do what is right. You know, that right there is important. God accepts everybody who fear him and do what's right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea. Beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of John was preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and He went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with Him. We are witnesses of everything that He did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed Him by hanging, hanging Him on the cross, but God raised Him from the dead on the third, third day and caused Him to be seen... So they caused him to be seen by all the, not by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his, through his name. And then while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jews who came with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard him speaking in tongues and praising God. Do you realize that Cornelius was the window that God began to minister to the Gentile people? Do you realize that this was the first time that this happened? This is amazing. Cornelius was a God fearing man, he prayed to God. He gave generously to the poor. He found favor with God. And when it was time for God to take the gospel out of just the Jewish people to the Gentiles, he found Cornelius. And he said, I'm going to use him. And so whenever Cornelius gathered all of his family and friends together, and Peter preached to him, not only did they get saved, but the power of God fell on them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost. And then they were all water baptized. Revival broke out. So let me just say this. Our prayers and our alms to the poor are powerful before God. And I simply want to be, and I know you do, a generous, cheerful giver. I want to be faithful in my tithe. I'm going to tell you, the only way people are going to tithe is if they step out in faith to do it. Because a lot of times people have an attitude like, I'm afraid, I don't feel like we can make ends meet. And because of that, they, they... They live in fear instead of faith. Did you hear me? They live in fear instead of faith, and therefore they never see financial breakthrough. You have to live by faith. You don't go by how you feel. Sometimes feelings are the opposite. You don't go by how you feel. You don't go by what you see. You don't look at your your checkbook and go, oh, I don't think I can tithe. No, that's going by what you see. You go by faith and say, I'm going to tithe and trust God, and God promises me that he will take care of the rest. I'm going to obey him. He'll take care of the rest. Let me give you a healing story. Steve Solomon was just saying, I was listening to him. He had snapped his ankle and he said, you know what? I'm going to believe God. And he said, Lord, by your stripes, you paid for my healing at the cross. And I'm asking you to heal this and let it be done. And he said, he started walking on it in faith. He said for, for a couple days, he said there was a sharp pain. He said, if he preached, there'd be no pain. But whenever he stopped preaching, it'd be a sharp pain, but he kept claiming it. He kept saying, I'm not going to go by how I feel. I'm not going to go by what it looks like. I'm going to go by what the Bible says. And he kept speaking out. I, I believe. I'm healed. I've prayed about it. I thank you, Lord, I'm healed. And he kept walking on it until after several days, pow, it was done. He was healed. It had snapped. He said it felt like it was broken. And it should, he, you know, and people were saying, Well, why didn't you go to the doctor? He wanted to do it faithfully. You know, through faith. I believe there's going to come a time where in these last days, Christians are going to be forced to live by faith. And if they don't know how, they're really going to suffer. All right. So we got to go by faith and not by what we see or what we feel and how things appear. Amen. All right. So here in a moment, we're going to do something special for Easter. But I want you to remember this. Listen to me. I gave you last week the seven places Jesus shed his blood. And I want you to think about this. Number one. He sweated drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane. That was the power of rebellion being broken. That was not my will, but your will be done. And so now we have the ability to live a righteous life. Number two, he shed his blood at the whipping post. Now, want you remember this, he shed his blood at the whipping post because by his stripes you were healed. He paid for your healing. He shed his blood on his brow with the crown of thorns. That the power of poverty is broken. So that you can live in prosperity. Did you get that? Remember where Adam was cursed. That by the sweat of your brow you'll eat. That was poverty. That Jesus took the sweat of his brow was blood. And he broke the power of that curse. And it says in Saint Corinthians 8 9 for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich you see what I'm saying he broke that alright then the next place was in his hands that we have authority and power in our hands to destroy the devil's works and then his feet that everywhere the soles of your feet God will give you he will crush Satan's kingdom under your feet there's power in our hands there's power in our feet but Jesus paid for that He shed blood from his side to purchase a bride, just like Eve. Adam, a rib was taken out of Adam's side. Jesus had his side pierced. He was purchasing a bride for himself. Also, when a woman gives birth, there's blood and water. Jesus was purchasing children for God. He was purchasing children. And then the last place Jesus shed his blood, he was bruised for our iniquity. We talked about iniquity. Traveling down family lines. So here's what I want to do tonight. Some of you have maybe never seen this or maybe you have. But I prayed about this. I'm going to go ahead and pray and stop recording. But Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for sealing this. I bless everybody within the sound of my voice. You're going to walk in financial prosperity and abundance and victory. And Lord, I thank you for letting faith arise. Faith comes by hearing the word. That now we're going to stop living by how we see or what we feel or what we think in the natural And we're going to live by the word of God. And we're going to obey the word and step out in faith. And we're going to move in faith. And we're going to start seeing miracles. Because when we sow, not only our tithe, but when we give to the poor. Or we bless Israel. Or we feel led to give. That we do it with faith knowing that it pleases God. But also that there's a power in it. And there's promises that are connected to it. And Lord, we thank you for that now. In the mighty name of Jesus.